0: Going Linux, episode 395, listener feedback. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy.
1: And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you're new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast provides you valuable information and advice that will help you in going Linux.
0: We hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open-source applications and using them to get things done.
1: If you want, you can send us feedback at our email address at goinglinux at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 1-904-468-7889.
0: In today's episode, listener feedback. Hey, Bill. Hey,
1: Larry. How's your week been?
0: Uh, busy as always. And, uh, you, <laughs> same, <laughs> same. Okay. Enough same. work talk.
1: <laughs> enough work talk.
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: uh, I hear you have some exciting announcement. So why don't you start?
0: Oh, I don't know how exciting it is, but it is a bit of an announcement. And, uh, Luke from the Ubuntu Mate project took the Ubuntu Mate guide. That's the help uh, topics that are built into Ubuntu Mate that I helped write for that and got them ported to a page on the Ubuntu Mate site. <laughs> and, uh, nice. Uh, yeah, it's it's actually linked from the main Ubuntu Mate site. The URL is guide.ubuntu-mate.org. And if you click on that, you'll see the web version of the Ubuntu Mate guide that's built into Ubuntu Mate. So, if you're wondering what's in that guide, and you're contemplating installing Ubuntu Mate, but you're not sure that the guide's going to be useful, you can go to this page and you can see everything that's in that guide. So there so you go.
1: Did you have to do any uh, uh, adjustments from this when you when they were porting it over, or did it just drop in flawlessly?
0: Ah, it wasn't flawless. There was a lot of work on the part of Luke to get it done. But he was able to get the work done over a weekend between what? his other regular projects. So, you know, what what he did over a weekend would have taken me a month or more to do. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would have had to learn the tools and everything else. But... He did a phenomenal job, um, found a a broken link within the guide, which we fixed uh, both in the guide and in the online version of the guide. And he found a way to format it so that it looks good on the page uh, uh, because it's a web page. It's not part of the help system. So it looks a little bit different. And so he did some css and formatting foo and got it working perfectly. <laughs> formatting foo yes exactly so there well, you go great
1: so give that uh url again what is it again
0: guide dot ubuntu dash mate dot org
1: cool so yeah the people can take a look at it we'll have so, it in the
0: show notes of course
1: yeah we have it in the show notes
0: so what's been going on with you
1: i'm still using manjaro
0: Nice.
1: Yeah, still using it. Still liking it. It's it's been flawless. I have not had any issues. But I do have exciting. I actually got to use the AUR for the first for the first time. Uh, okay. And uh, and it was for the Vivaldi browser. Um, I needed a um, a Chrome based um, browser, and I wasn't about to just install just a plain old. Uh, Chrome, uh, which is available in AUR, uh, I I wanted the uh, one that's supposed to be more privacy focused, and and I, I kind of like Vivaldi. It's uh, it blocks a lot more than Firefox. So I've been running it for a few weeks, and so far it seems to really block all those annoying YouTube ads. And uh, the only thing that is kind of funny is when I go to these new sites, you know, there's annoying. Uh, Pop ups that say you know when you're reading an your article and and it wants to say hey this guy is our lead star reporter and you're like I don't care I'm trying to read this article yeah and uh, so it's got rid of a lot of those but they they do. Um, uh, Complain and saying, "Please whitelist us so we can bombard you with uh, 25 ads while you're trying to read a one-page article." And I'm, you know, I understand they they have to make money, but it's, geez, some of these got you know, they're just so intrusive. So it's been kind of nice that this Vivaldi browser works really well for that. So
0: now that's good. Uh,
1: yeah. So You didn't makes, want
0: to try the Microsoft Edge browser based on Chrome.
1: Uh, let's just put it this way, <laughs> no. Okay. Not, not just no, but heck no.
0: So Vivaldi works well, and it blocks a lot of stuff. That's great.
1: Yeah, and and so uh, I went to their website, and they kind of I mean, you reviewed what they what they what kind of stand for, I mean, and um, they, they're very privacy-focused. So if someone's looking for a uh, a privacy-focused browser, give uh, Vivaldi a, a, a try. And if you're running Majero, it's in the AUR
0: great uh let me just check uh welcome on ubuntu mate and browser selection and vivaldi is right there one of the options so you can get it for ubuntu mate uh, right oh, nice. from yeah right from the welcome page
1: there's a there's a little trick um for mate it's not really a trick it's just a little makes things easier if Say you, when you installed uh, Mate and you, and you said, I just want um, uh, Firefox, but then you find out you need Vivaldi, you just bring up that uh, menu and you can go right to the browser selection and install it right there. You don't have to dig through the repositories. So you can just click all the ones you want right from the <laughs> Ubuntu Mate uh, um, welcome screen.
0: Yep, exactly. And that's exactly what I did. Okay. Shall we get into our email? Yes. Okay, let's start with Daniel. He needs some help with MeWe and a screen reader. He says, getting around MeWe is proving to be hard, at least on the web. I like to log out of a site when not using it. How may I find the log out button?
1: Ah, uh, So mm. that one, yeah, that's. let's see. I don't, let me pull up MeWe. Nothing like a live research as you go yeah it is and
0: since daniel's using a screen reader i don 't know it's it 's actually in the title bar or the menu bar across the top uh, and i don 't know whether that comes up in the screen reader in its own little uh section or I forget what they call it when they describe it on the screen reader, but it 's in the section with search and cart and notifications um so that's what you're listening for and does it say log out let me just hover over it and see if you're logged in it doesn't uh there's no uh it's not accessible
1: okay so they need to that is the website's not that accessible to log out
0: yeah it's there's no alt text on it okay that's why it's not giving you anything okay uh well um if anybody knows the folks at miwi or wants to give them a tip ask them to make that a little bit more accessible and maybe they've got it inaccessible because they don't want people to actually log out i don't know but <laughs> <laughs> uh that's that's not nice guys at miwi you're doing a great job uh, I'd i'd hate to see that being the reason why daniel and others can't use your site yeah
1: These websites need to work on their accessibility because not everybody is a sighted user. Exactly. So so, so our next uh, email comes from George who sent us a thank you. And and he wrote, just caught up with that one. I don't know what that one is, but he wrote, just caught up with that one. Appreciate how it was structured, including background and info provided. An excellent job, George from Tulsa. So what what was he
0: talking about there? uh, Uh, It was, yeah, one of our shows. It was probably, you know, one that uh, he hadn't listened to yet. And it was probably in the title of the email or the subject of the email. And I didn't copy that over into our doc that we're working from. So whichever episode it was, George, happy you enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) There we go. Okay. George also wrote about Mike and Windows dual booting problem. Hi, Bill and Larry. Notice I just turned the world upside down, which I feel like I did when I had the opportunity to move a friend from Windows 7 to Linux, but instead set her up with Windows 10. Mike reported trouble getting a computer to dual boot Windows and Ubuntu. I'm reporting on two similar experiences with that. I hope are viable technical explanations in failing to get mint 19.3 to install in dual boot mode with windows seven on a friend's Dell Inspiron. I learned that there was a quote, legacy boot version of windows seven. And that's what Dell installed on her system neither jiggling BIOS settings nor following arcane instructions to create partition structures to enable both EFI and legacy Windows boot worked. Worse, my partitioning efforts killed Windows 7. Fortunately, I began to clone the original hard drive to use an SSD by... Cloning it again, I overwrote my destructive partition changes and restored Windows 7. My last effort was to follow instructions how to install Windows 10 over Windows 7 without paying. That worked, but Windows 10 remained incompatible with UEFI. Surprisingly, Windows 10 persisted. The, quote, classic shell... Interface from Windows 7, and the screen looked almost exactly as it had in Windows 7. When my friend saw she had Windows 10 that looked and worked much as her beloved Windows 7, and that she could access her photos and files, she pronounced me a genius and happily took her Windows 10 computer home. Another friend, and a different newer Dell Inspiron, in this one, I'm only consulting long distance. Her new computer came with an Intel rapid storage controller and a bio setting for the single drive in system set to RAID. I'm setting a link with one of my confusing discussions, but among several issues, one thing it means is I can't run Linux in a dual boot configuration because booting requires a Windows-only RST driver. And he provides a link to a Dell website about that driver, and he's right, it's Windows only. And I've had problems like this with computers that have been configured for RAID. And I've been successful in going into the BIOS, turning off the RAID, which you would think would mess up the entire installation of Windows. But at least when I've done it, it converted the disk to a regular set of partitions, and Windows continued to function properly. And then with that in mind, I was able to turn on legacy boot or turn off, you know, what, whatever it's called when it's not legacy boot, the opposite <laughs> thing, uh, secure boot, um, and install Ubuntu Mate or whatever version of Linux I've wanted to install on top without any problem. So you might have tried that. Sounds like you've got things working. And since you were doing it remotely, that would have been tough to do remotely, I think. (laughs) That would be tough. Yeah. So there you go. Um, Thanks for the input, George. Um, Yeah. Working with (laughs) Windows to install Mint or Ubuntu or any Linux is getting more and more difficult. For a while there, it got easy but it seems to be that the manufacturers and Microsoft have collaborated to the point where if it comes with Windows, they're, they're blocking or at least making it difficult to install Linux. And until we find a way around that, I recommend you, if you, if you want a Dell, go to Dell. They sell computers with uh, Linux installed. Lenovo is once again selling computers with Linux installed, System76, all the others that we've mentioned uh, that actually come pre-installed with Linux are your best bet until they get this figured out.
1: It always seems funny to me is that if you want a dual boot, you always have to install um, Windows first. Because yeah. it, it it does not play well with with other Linux uh, with Linux in general, but it's but you but in the same vein you can have three different Linuxes and they all just work together you know they you know, <laughs> so,
0: yeah exactly uh, it's
1: it's crazy so just remember if you ever are doing a dual boot from just a you uh, know someone says I need to I need to have Windows ten or Windows seven or whatever you're using uh, don't use Windows seven. Uh, don't use Windows 10, Windows 10 either. But you know, but if you have to have Windows 10, make sure that's installed first. Make sure that uh, if you uh, do uh, install it, that you pick because uh, you uh, either legacy or, or UEFI uh, and stick with that. It makes things a lot simpler. Uh, as the poor <laughs> poor guy just found out. Oh, I fell for George. Oh man.
0: Yeah, and the other comment I can make is. If you need one machine with both Linux and Windows on it, I'm getting to the point where uh, my opinion is the best place to put Windows is in a virtual machine.
1: <laughs> That's actually not a bad idea. But, <laughs> well, I was going to say, I thought you were going to say, best place I've put Windows 10 is in the trash, but okay. You were being pragmatic.
0: If you're going to pay for an operating system, you may as well use it, especially if it's going to help you out in one way or another, or if you need it for work or something like that. I mean, that's the way that macOS handles it. They put it yeah. in a virtual machine. So there you go.
1: All right. Our next email comes from Nathan, and he asked about a fresh install. And he writes, hi, guys. I apologize up front. I I have an annoying talent for asking uh, a simple question or one one simple feature that newbies of my level nor, normally don't. End result is I either go through a lot of beginner tutorials only to find that they don't cover what I need or I find what I need buried in info that goes way over my head. So So here goes. I'm doing a fresh install do booting with Windows until I can put all the apps in a VM. I have a M.2 boot OS drive and a spinning disk for larger storage, same as on the Windows side. I want to mount a separate SSD for certain programs, mostly Steam and other games. I know enough to use the M.2 boot boot partition and add another uh, slash uh, then mount the spinning disk as, a, as a slash home but during the install process or before what mount point makes sense for the SSD or like in the guides I found when I need to uh, do it the long way they, uh, that needs a higher level of knowledge of mounting drives. Uh, sorry for all the rambling on. I've been enjoying the show's archives for a while now. It made you the first I thought of for cutting through the clutter and giving a good answer to a simple person. Uh, I mean, question. Uh, hope to catch up to the present one day, currently on episode 389,
0: Nathan. Okay. okay. Yeah, you're catching up there, Nathan. That's good.
1: You're getting there. <laughs> so, so. If I understand it, he he's, um, wants to know how to um, uh, auto-mount the, another SSD because um, it, it has its games and stuff on it. Is that what he
0: should? Right. Yeah. I think so, yeah. I think that's what he's talking about. Once he's got it there, he wants to be able to auto-mount it.
1: Uh, okay. So, uh, I have a, a similar system than... Uh, that he has and what i've done is on my uh m.2 i just went ahead and uh that's where the system and and the swap swap um uh sits and then i just i the, the other uh spinning drive i've just made that whole thing home and i just let linux take care of it all and it seems to work
0: there are ways to Mount an external hard drive automatically or another drive automatically, even oh, if it's right. built in. Um, you want it's, to automatically mount it. Yeah. So I'm thinking you could uh, edit your FSTAB file. And if you type into Google or your favorite search engine, FSTAB, that's FSTAB, stands for file system. Something tab, <laughs> um, and the uh, the word auto mount. Um, I I think that you will find lots and lots and lots of articles on editing the fs tab fil- file to auto mount partitions at startup, and we'll include one from the Linux Mint community. Uh, because they usually write things pretty clearly there. Yep, there we go. And I'm sure there's one in the Ubuntu Mate uh, community as well. But since this one's handy, I'm going to copy this into our show notes so that you will have it, Nathan.
1: Another resource that he could use uh, is um, the Arch Wiki. You can actually search and say, I'm, I'm, and they usually yes, they have step by step. Uh had to throw in that throw that in because sometimes uh ArchWiki Arch Wiki will have an answer that will work on Ubuntu or Fedora or whatever, because they they all kind of work the same. So Yeah.
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh I'll include the link to the ArchWiki article on it as well. <laughs> 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 Since uh it's one of the ones that comes up right away. Yeah. Uh, when you do that search. I will Does um, it, <laughs> okay, I, yes, it, it is. yes, of course it does. Uh of so course. there we go. We've got a Linux Mint version and an ArchWiki version, and if I can find, after we finish recording, the Ubuntu Mate version, I will include know they that have in it. the show. <laughs> I, It's there. It's there. I, I, <laughs> you know they
1: have it. You just got to find it. But, yeah. But yeah. But you've you've got um, the Ubuntu forms, the Ubuntu Mate Forms, you've got the ArchWiki, you got the Manjaro forms. I mean, one of those places will tell you how to do what you need to do, and usually it's uh, pretty um laid out pretty well so it's easy to understand.
0: Yep, absolutely. Okay, so uh our next feedback is from David who wrote about his sheet feed scanner. Time for replacement, especially since I've converted to Linux. I found a wireless model at Best Buy that would work with my wife's Windows machine. She has this My Heritage Windows software I can't get rid of; otherwise, would wipe her machine of anything labeled Windows. I found the following that would supposedly work with my uh, Ubuntu Mate twenty point oh four machine. Note. My Linux machine can see and operate our wireless HP printer all-in-one, one-at-a-time scanner, but that is not sufficient. I desire and need a multi-page feeder. Do you have any recommended alternatives to the following in the $150 to $200 price range? Not asking for you to do my homework for me. Just figure you have had this question before. Thanks, David. P.S. Thanks, Bill, for putting me in my place on the need to stay out of the command line. I'm a techie wannabe only, not the real deal tech-wise. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember when you did that, Bill. But, when did uh, I do that? I don't know. You're not really the kind of person that puts other people in their place. But uh, apparently David <laughs> took it that way. And uh, Sorry, yeah.
1: David. I didn't mean it. You can uh, ask Larry. I've, I've a few times totally over the years borked my system because I wanted to see what the command did. And sometimes it ended badly. So, <laughs> uh.
0: okay. So with that in mind, um, I would recommend an HP printer. Um, the one that I have is the office jet pro 6835 and they probably, it's a few years old. Um, but it has a sheet feeder and let's see office jet six, eight, three, five. All right, so let me see, I've got, it's obviously not a current model, 2600, I don't know. Let me just go to the HP store and see what we got.
1: Does he want a uh, multi-feed scanner or just a printer?
0: I think he wants a, a printer, copier, scanner, okay. Uh, and that kind of thing. He didn't mention anything about fax, and fax is so far out there anymore that I'm not too worried about that, although my version has fax capability. Um, it looks like there is an OfficeJet Pro. 90 fifteen, but that's like three hundred dollars. Hmm. That's so, a I mean, best I, buy I, as well.
1: I've, i found one the HP Jet Pro eighty thirty-five all in one printer. $199, but I'm trying oh it's out of stock. Well that it kind of explains it.
0: Of course they're out of stock. <laughs> uh yeah, eighty thirty-five, yeah, two hundred dollars I found it. Uh, at Best Buy, and yeah, that looks... Yeah, it's got a feeder, and it does all-in-one inkjet printer with eight months of ink, instant ink included, okay, Uh, for $200. So, that's the current deal, and as long as it's in stock, or you can get it from Amazon, or you can get it from someplace other than Best Buy, that's probably your best bet, or something similar. So, yeah, that's and on the other hand, if you can find um, a sixty-eight thirty-five or even a sixty-eight thirty, you know, if you can find that on eBay or something used, that's a good printer as long as it's in good shape. You should be fine. It'd be a lot less than two hundred bucks. I would expect.
1: Yeah, you might be able to find a deal on Amazon. You know, they're trying to close out their stock, some so.
0: Yeah, there so you, you go.
1: So our next email comes from Reed who wrote about System76 and ThinkPads. He says, "Uh, I sure love your show, have been listening for a long time, and learned something with every episode. I listen to some others too, but you guys are my go-to. I've heard you say good things about System76 and wanted to write to let you know that I'm a big fan. I've had a number of their boxes over the years going back to 2010. It used to be that you could recommend System 76 for the great support. They will spend any amount of time with you and have been really helpful to me on a couple of occasions. Their support staff are polite and knowledgeable. It's like talking with another geek about your issue. They also do do a great job with the driver software and driver updates which just keep coming they never seem to abandon a piece of hardware that they ha- that they have sold I'm still getting driver and firmware updates on my almost 6 year old system 76 desktop it's less like buying something more like joining a family they are just great very personable to deal with you think that if they take so much time with you that it would slow down uh, the service but it's just the opposite my few system 76 service issues have been cleared up more quickly than the ones I've had with Dell or Acer in the past I think it it's because you can actually communicate and discuss they don't force you into a box with canned questions and and they're not working off a list so I always uh, used to ask about support when recommending a System76 to somebody, but now they are doing something interesting and I think really important. You already know, uh, I'm sure, that they are using the GNU licensed CoreBoot BIOS. I think this is, is a great advantage. Right now, it only covers some of their laptops, but I'm sure they will extend this to all of their boxes sometime soon. To me, this is a big advantage. It's it's fast. Uh, to apparently, I read 15 seconds from boot press to login. Impressive, if it is true. You're right about ThinkPads too. I've owned a flock of them since the late '90s, and they have been great running all sorts of Linuxes. Uh, but I need a new laptop in about a year, and it's going to be one of the System 76s. I think they are at the top of the class of the pre-installed Linux world right now. God bless you, and keep up the good work. Read. Well, thanks, Read. Yeah, System76s are awesome. I don't own yeah.
0: one. <laughs> I have owned one. I don't own it anymore, but they do a phenomenal job of the computers. They have uh, been one of those computer companies who works with companies in China, uh, Clevo in particular, that many of these uh, computer distributors work with, uh, even those who build Uh, windows computers use clevos and system 76 has done some work with them to do some custom design so that they are very specific to system 76 and my understanding is that the system 76 manufacturing is being moved to the united states and they have several versions of system 76 computers now that are manufactured in colorado if i remember correctly And I don't know about the laptops, uh, whether they are all U.S. manufactured yet, but I think they're going that way too eventually. So we can continue to recommend System76 as probably the premier Linux-only, Linux-installed, Linux-pre-installed, Linux-supported computer manufacturers in the U.S., so there you go.
1: And if anybody's listening from System Seventy Six, uh, I am not above taking a free laptop and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I thought that in there. Uh, you know, just whatever you got laying around you don't want, you need someone to give it a loving home. I'm all for it. You know, and I'll mm-hmm. even uh, I'll sing his praises as I install Manjaro on it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, we'll see if that happens, okay? (laughs) Yeah, that's not going to happen. Good try, Bill. Yeah,
1: hey, hey, doesn't hurt to try. No, Seriously, I do like like their company. They seem to be uh, very... I've only heard good support things with yours. When you had yours, did you have any issues with yours?
0: Um, I had a problem with uh, the plastic case. There was a... Um, a flop-down hinged cover for the uh, network port when I wanted to plug it into a network cable. Oh, Uh, That would continuously break. And they sent me one, I think, as a replacement for free, and I didn't want them to send me another free one, so I think I purchased another one. But anyway, that was really the only problem I had with it and I forget where it went when I gave it away, but uh, (laughs) uh, I moved on to some other things to get a more powerful computer because I had been using that one for a while, and it just got old.
1: (laughs) As they tend to do.
0: Yep. All right, our next email is from David, who commented on Manjaro and asked about Crossover. Enjoyed podcast. This made me research Manjaro a bit. Bill, do you know if there is a quote user friendly way to install the commercial application of Wine? Code Weaver's crossover to Manjaro. Crossover allows one to run Microsoft Office in Linux, thus removing any reason for using Windows. Just thought running wine or commercial versions of it might have come up in your testing. Again, enjoyed the podcast. Since you are taking Manjaro for a spin, thought it would mention this. David.
1: My reply to David, uh, I went ahead and uh, looked. And so one command that will install crossover for you, um, you just have to paste it in the terminal and follow the prompts, enter your password, and it will... Find all dependencies and install it for you. And the command is sudo pacman. That's p a c m a n space dash capital S Y U space and then crossover. And I tested it on my my t- other Manjaro machine and it installed it flawlessly, very quick. The one uh, thing you want to make sure is that the AUR is uh, enabled uh, for this to work because it has some dependencies that it needs that are in the AUR. And this will install the demo version of Crossover, and then you should be able to purchase the unlock uh, to, the, to the full version from there.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, we're not going to include the command in the show notes. We'll include a link to the article on the yes. Manjaro. Wiki or website or yeah, I think it's a wiki, right? Um, yes. That provides you that command. It's the first thing that they list, and they have some other descriptions of things in there that you will probably want to look at if you run into some trouble or need some additional help. So uh, we'll include the whole uh, link to the whole article there. So I think uh, I think that's it for um, for David. Thanks, Bill.
1: Yeah, no problem. Um, Our next email comes from Tim, and he wrote, Hey guys, thanks for the discussion of Manjaro. I had a somewhat similar experience lately when I decided to put Manjaro on my Pinebook Pro in place of uh, Armbian Mate. That was on it when I bought it. The Armbian was having some issues, and when I heard that the Pine folks had decided to put Manjaro Arm KDE on the computers, uh, I just I switched and have been really impressed big switch for me as I have used mainly debian family distros and gnomish desktops for many years The KDE desktop and arch packages are both new to me everything has been pretty smooth and I've ended up switching my raspberry pi 4 to Manjaro arm ke as well still using mint on my desktop but you never know the only real issue I have is that the LibreOffice spell checker doesn't work on the Pinebook. And I'm sure when I have time to sit down and work on it, I can figure it out. Thanks for the detailed review, Tim. Don't you have to install the spell checker from the repositories, Larry? For the uh, for
0: Yeah, I think you do. And I think if you go into the menus in LibreOffice... Uh, and look for spell checker. It should give you a clue as to what the spell checker is that you need to install. And I don't remember whether LibreOffice is the one that actually has a way to install it from the menus, like a plugin or something like that. Yeah. Um, at the very least, if it's not there within the LibreOffice menus uh, as a plugin installation, then. Um, do a little research and find out what the name of the spell checker that LibreOffice uses and install that from the repositories and you should be good to go.
1: Yeah, that should be, uh, I think that's a pretty straightforward one as far as getting that spell check to work. But um, yeah, so I'm glad you guys liked the uh, Manjaro review. Like I said, I'm still using it and I'm still enjoying it. And, uh, you know, so far I haven't managed to to destroy the machine yet.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. That's a good thing. So, are we still on track for looking at editing and managing photos in Linux? Uh, maybe on Manjaro.
1: The answer is yes. We, we can be. We will be looking at the the photos. But what's nice about um, uh, Linux is that what we'll work on uh, Manjaro, we'll also work on Ubuntu Mate, or we'll also work on an. Uh, Ubuntu, and Fedora. So it, it's not it, – nothing's just tied to one distribution. So, yeah, all right. these programs that we're going to be discussing are available on all the distros.
0: So that's good. That is good. Yeah.
1: You don't have to worry about this only runs on Mac or this only runs on <laughs> Windows. It, no, whatever, that would be more difficult. But, you know, all these programs will, uh, are available for all the – distributions so yeah it should be everybody should be able to follow along
0: of course all right well uh that is our last email so our next episode will be edit and manage photos on linux part one
1: until then you can go to our website at goinglinks.com for articles and show notes as well as links to download and subscribe
0: We are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done.
1: And if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux podcast community on community.goinglinux.com.
0: Until next time, thanks for listening. 73.